0: And uh, a few weeks back, I don't know if this was before Christmas, I forget exactly the last time I preached this. Actually, that number two is probably wrong. I think it's number three. And so uh, this is my third part. I'm up to point number six in this uh, message that I was preaching on the anatomy uh, of an angry man. And we're dealing in this series on uh, why am I so angry? Why am I so angry? And uh, anger is, uh, shows itself in different ways. And uh, I think we've covered a lot of good things, uh, really important things on how we can uh, properly deal with anger. I've had many people come to me talking about their traffic stories, <laughs> amen, and so, uh, yeah, well, me too, uh, you know, hear them with the kids and also I'm saying, Lord, save this person's soul, <laughs> amen, <laughs> try to be spiritual here, you know, and uh, and so, uh, the thing is, you know, that the flesh will always want to rise up and become angry, and you, gotta, you just got to submit and humble yourself in that moment, and humble yourself to the Lord's plan. Remember the initial illustration I gave how that, the bird that's caught in the rafters, and how that uh, many times, you know, we think that the way uh, out or the way to freedom is up, and so we keep trying to push ourselves up, but that's basically pride, Uh, Pride tries to take control of the situation and and tries to look for the next step up, uh, but not realizing like those birds that are caught in the rafters of your shop or wherever it is that you... I've seen them in superstore, I've seen them in big uh, department stores. Also, you see a bird flying around. You say, how in the world do they get those things out of there? Because they're not going out through the roof, (laughs) you know. And you know the only way that those birds will actually exit those places unless they catch them is actually through the doorway, And if that doorway isn't open, and if that bird does not bring itself down, it will not find freedom. And that's hard for us, because for us to bring ourselves down in humility uh, is very difficult. And when when we're pumped up with pride, and if you're an angry person, that is pride in the flesh. Pride in the flesh. And so it's very difficult for an angry man to find freedom. And that's why we want to bring these principles into play here so that we can learn how we can identify anger in our own hearts. Uh, there's no, no such thing as anger management. You can't manage it. Uh, it's something that you've, you've got to humble yourself. It's through the power of God. Uh, he manages it, but you can't. Uh, there's no way you can manage anger. If, if, you let, uh, if you make it your flesh, I mean, you will just be an angry person the rest of your life. And anger doesn't I mean you're blown up all the time and you're screaming and yelling. That may be an aggressive form of your anger, but there's also different kinds of anger. There's that hidden anger. There's that simmering anger. There's that in your heart anger that maybe nobody sees and you're the person that comes off really happy and you crack jokes and so forth. And the way that you express your anger is maybe through jokes you make about people and maybe you do little snide remarks and so forth. And those are really just an expression of your anger towards that person. And when you start belittling people, uh, maybe it's just a joke, I'm just joking, you know. Well, yeah, you, you, you say you're just joking, but behind that joke is anger. And, uh, and you got to be very careful that you start identifying these type of things. So we, we started looking at, at Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel, and Saul started well. Uh, the Bible says, even God said, you know, when thou was little in your own eyes, I gave you the kingdom. So... In order for God to bless you, you have to be little. Yeah. But then what happened is he began to puff himself up and lift himself up. And when that took place, he lost the kingdom. When he, he got to the place where he just decided, I'm going to just choose what I'm going to do, and he made it religious. It was a religious thing to him. Uh, he, there was a sacrifice at Gilgal, and uh, Samuel was taken too long. And so he says, well, I'm going to offer the sacrifice. So in his mind, his pride, he put himself in the place of Samuel. But that was not Saul's place, never has been. And just because he was a king doesn't mean that he had the authority to, uh, to offer a sacrifice. But his pride brought him into a position that was not his. Remember, we talked about that in Sunday school. If he would have just remained in his place, and Saul, Samuel would have come, and he would have done what his authority and his responsibility was and everything would have been okay but then we also know that in that same instance where where samuel um, where saul did that he didn't necessarily repent he didn't get it right yeah. he always just kind of smoothed it over and just let's just go on and folks the worst thing you can do is when you sin that way is think that it's dealt with just because you've moved on Because what we see in this particular situation with Saul is a gradual digression of his life. And so it never just goes on. (laughs) You know, sin has to be dealt with. And if we don't deal with it, there is a downslide happening. You're not going up. We know that. You're not being level. The Lord, you can't just remain level. You're either becoming more like Christ or you're going down and backsliding. Amen? Amen. And backsliding brings you into all kinds of decisions that can destroy your life. And many people have seen that, even as believers, you know. And so Saul was a part of that. And so we know that there's been several steps to this point uh, where Saul, uh, you know, tried to maintain himself through this. He was given an opportunity to basically do right because God came to him and said, hey, destroy all the Amalekites. Well, what did he do? He didn't do what God asked him to do. He didn't kill them all. He saved the king. He's the, all the people saved the best of the flock and made excuses why he couldn't do the will of God. There is no excuse. God says we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to do it. And that was a day where Samuel said, you know, this day the kingdom is rent from you. You've lost it. Well, what's the big deal? <laughs> it was a big deal. And that's when also when he mentioned that he was talking about rebellion. He says, um, uh, Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as idolatry. Amen? So stubbornness, becoming stubborn in your life, is making yourself your own idol. You begin to worship yourself. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And folks... You don't want to be around rebellious people. You stay away from them. People that have challenged authority, undermining authority, it's witchcraft. It's satanic. It will have an impact on your life. And you don't even realize how it's working itself into your soul because it's a spiritual attack. Amen? That's why you get people that begin to conglomerate together and the rebel, the rebel group sometimes grows. And then they reach out to others, and then they bring more people in. It's witchcraft. It casts a spell over your eyes. It blinds you. Amen? Because ultimately, the first thing you're doing is not going to the Scripture as far as what I should do. Anybody in a, And folks, I've done this for, for a couple of decades now as a pastor. Everybody that I've seen that's gone against authority as far as the Scripture is concerned... When they, when they get in that in the church context, when they get involved, I've never seen one seriously go to the Word of God and say, this is the way we ought to handle this situation. Yeah. And yet they draw other people in, and the people that they're drawing in, they don't say, let's go to the scripture and find out how we should handle this situation. They just kind of go along with it. And that's the witchcraft. Amen? Amen. Bible, <laughs> that is the tower, that is the wings, that is the shield. The shield is the word of God. The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall, we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You're not going to do it without the word of God. <laughs> you will be deceived. You will be tricked. And you will be punished. <laughs> Just like Saul was. You know, and anybody that went along with him you see. And we see that example over and over in the scripture. And so anger leads to all kinds of garbage, all kinds of wickedness. And so here what we're doing now is we're going we're gonna to go to 1 Samuel 16. I know I think I maybe touched this a little bit the last time, but just to kind of recap this this point here, and then we'll move into some new material here. But 1 Samuel 16 verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So Samuel was greatly impacted by this because he loved Saul. This doesn't have to do with not loving him. It doesn't have to do with I don't care about him. It has to do that you can no longer be used by God to serve him and to lead Because you have forfeited that because you've chosen rather to follow your flesh than follow the word of God. And the people need the word of God. They don't need your flesh. They don't need you. They need God over their life. And that's what Saul was supposed to give to them. And that's why God gave every king a prophet to poke into prod and say, come on, guys, get this right. Some of them would listen. Some of them wouldn't, (laughs) you know. And that's why the Lord warned them when they wanted a king in the first place. It put another step in the middle of their relationship that really opened up a lot of potential for damage to the children of Israel. Amen? And so, but there were some good kings, not many. Letter B, Samuel showed how far Saul had declined by expressing that Saul would kill him if he found out. So here Samuel loved him. And God tells him to go anoint a new king and Saul things, man, if he finds this out, he's going to kill me. Oh, good friend. <laughs> you know? This is how far that he's declined in his, in his uh, relationship with God, in his spirit, and, and so forth. And you see it even go further than this. But it says in 1 Samuel 16, 2, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. And so the Lord gave him a reason to go to protect him. You see, he wasn't lying because that's exactly what he did. (laughs) Amen. By the way, you don't always have to give out all the information. (laughs) (laughs) Do you understand that? Holding back some of the information when you're trying to protect people in righteousness is not lying. Lying is when you're misleading people with false information. That's lying. Amen? So let's move on here. Letter C The Lord must be trusted to have perfect judgment that cannot be thwarted. Yeah. We need to trust them. The Lord is doing something here. Samuel says, I don't know what's going on. It seems like everything's going downhill. God had a plan. God already spent some time with David and the pastors. He already was talking with David. He was already putting songs in his heart and preparing him for the future by sending the lion and the bear and the so forth and, and building the faith of David. And this is something Samuel didn't know. Neither did Saul or anybody else. <laughs> See, we think we know it all. You don't. <laughs> Can I tell you, if you just keep doing right, you, you won't understand it. You don't know why, how things are going to work out, but they will. Yeah, I mean. Because God's way ahead of you. He's always steps ahead of you. Amen? Yeah. He doesn't work from behind saying, oh, I need to catch up here. He's looking at us. Well, maybe you need to catch up. Because yeah. he's got it all figured out for your life. Amen? He's got a plan until Jesus comes if we'll just submit ourselves underneath his... Yeah. And so... It's an agonizing to work against the Lord, who will always have His way because it is righteous. Amen. So, so people think, OK, well, I'm just going to keep going this. Well, do you understand, if you're going against God's way, you're picking an, a life that is agonizing, because God will have His way. Amen. You're, you're, it's futile. It's futile. It's futile to think that somehow you're going to work out your plan in place of God's plan. Mm-hmm. This is where it comes down to. It comes down to that you have the potential to be used within God's plan if you submit yourself. If you don't, this is what's happening. This is all that's happening. You are removing yourself from the plan of God. And whatever the devil is planted in your head on how life is going to go for you and the blessings you're going to have by not doing God's will, I'm sorry, you're going to find out that's pretty futile. Mm -hmm. It's not there. It is not there. It's a whole lot of agony, is what it is. The Bible says the way of the transgressors is hard. Any person that chooses to rebel against the Lord, you need to go to them. So you understand the way that you're choosing right now is a very hard way and i know sometimes people well the church expects you to do this and this and they got these rules and these rules (laughs) and i'll tell you something there'll be a day where you look back at those puny little rules that were required of you just to live your life the right way you say man i wish i'd have done it because it's not going to compare to the hardship that you're facing in your life being apart from god and his will maybe right now the devil's got you duped (laughs) oh yeah that church (laughs) well really one day you know that heart will say you know what i should have i should have done better and realizing it's really not so bad amen but the contrast isn't there the the comparison isn't there now, compared to how the devil's got you to see that somehow your life is going to be all roses and I can do what I want and hey, I can play video games all day. I can go and you know, drink beer if I want and I can smoke dope and I can do whatever I want and hey, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, that's fine. You can do that, but the devil's duping you. He's duping you to think that somehow there's no consequence. When it all re- and that's his plan from the beginning, Genesis 3. Oh, thou shalt not surely die. Don't worry about what God has said. See, that's why it's so important that we we operate by the word of God. Amen? Amen. It'll keep you from going through that. You just stay in the will of God. And I understand you you say, I've messed up, preacher. I don't know how to get back. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you how not to get back. Keep hopping rafters going up. That's what people do. See it all the time rarely does a christian come back down and say you know what i'm gonna humble myself and go go out the door find freedom i'll tell you humility will free your soul (laughs) just becoming lowly before the lord Say, you know what i did mess up i apologize i'm sorry you know i want to do right Oh, the freedom that fills your soul. But that pride is saying, yeah, but then they'll think that they're better than you. No, no, no. (laughs) Anybody that knows the Lord knows in the sight of God, we're all flesh. We all got problems. But that's no excuse for living a life against the Lord and in sin. Amen. We still have a responsibility to make choices every day according to the word of God. Walk with him. When there's known sin in our life, whether the Lord has pointed it out, whether people have pointed it out, whatever it is, you owe it to the Lord to repent of that and to do right. If you don't, that's where the wrong road begins. Amen? And so it's an agonizing life. Um, He chose David. It says in Psalm 78, verse 7, Also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, From following the ewes, great with young, he brought them, brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Our God is so good. Amen. Now, the next point is powerless and alone, powerless and alone. The spirit of the Lord came upon David for service, while at the same time departed from Saul. There was a time where the Spirit of the Lord actually came upon Saul. And you remember reading earlier on how that, uh, after he was anointed, he, I mean, he was a fearful person. He always had fear in his heart. That was the one thing that led him to destruction. Ultimately, he allowed his fear to trap him. But what happened is, as he was uh, going off to the sacrifices, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he began prophesying with the prophets. So the Lord enabled him to do the work of God, to be a part of that real spiritual work. Because being the king was not just about calling the shots, it was about living a spiritual life. And so the Spirit of God came upon him. And that's why he began making good decisions. And that's why when, when the enemy came to, the, uh, to hurt his people, the Bible says that, that, uh, he, uh, that the Spirit of God stirred him to anger against them. And he went and fought them and he defeated them. That's that righteous anger. Amen. And so the Spirit of God was necessary for him to have victory in his life. But slowly, because he began putting himself first, the spirit of the Lord no longer empowered him, no longer came upon him. And there was a day that the Spirit came off of him, and that we're not talking about losing salvation, we're talking about the Old Testament, the economy we have here is how the Spirit of God was doing the empowering. In the New Testament, he indwells. In the Old Testament, he simply empowered. He empowered the, the Old Testament saints. He, they, they weren't indwelt by the Spirit of God like we are 24-7. So I think we ought to live better than Saul, don't you? You think we ought to do better than that? Anybody that claims himself a Christian, I think that it's a pretty uh, strange thing to think that you go live a life of sin having the Spirit of God in your heart. The Bible says that they, they that are born of God doth not commit sin. Well, preacher, I've sinned. That must be I'm not born, <laughs> you know? Well, no. That word "commit" it's a it's an ongoing, habitual life of sin. That means if all this person has ever done is done the same thing over and over and over, and says, "Oh, I'm saved. I'm saved," and they have never been corrected, they've never under conviction, they're not saved the Bible tells you that you can actually judge that. It says that those that do the righteous things, those that do righteousness, they're the ones that are born of God. They have righteousness in them. The reason why somebody does not continue to do right after they say they're saved is they don't have the engine inside. (laughs) The Spirit of God has to be placed in them to continually do right. And sure, they'll mess up uh you know I, I i've had the example before where i've said you our nature changes when we're born again <laughs> before you were saved you were a pig <laughs> and you love the mud and you wallow in the mud the bible gives us that example how that as a as a pig that as a swine they return to the mud that's not talking about losing salvation it's talking about someone that's pretending to be right and yet the opportunity comes and they go right back to what their nature draws them to or the dog eating his vomit. You say, why do they do that? That's gross. <laughs> well, they do that because they're a dog. And yeah. Why does a pig go wallow in the mud? Yeah. Well, they're a pig. What do you expect they're going to do? <laughs> you know, you keep those pigs away from mud, they're not going to be happy. They love the mud. Amen? Yeah. If you're going to get yourself a pig, you better have a little mud pile in the backyard. Because that's what they like. You open up the door, they'll run in there like it's nobody's business. (laughs) But when you get saved, you become a sheep. Your nature has changed. How many of you like going on in the mud? How many of you like going on in sin? When you do something wrong, aren't you immediately convicted? Don't you immediately, the Lord tells you, don't do that? That's a sign that you're born again. So a sheep can fall into the mud. And sure, the same mud that the pig is in, the sheep will fall into. Yep. But you know what the sheep will do? Yep. Hop out. Yep. It's a change of nature. So if you have somebody that's continuing on in sin, their nature is not changed. That's what the Bible says. It's clear. Are you saying it's a work salvation? No, I'm saying that what happens to you when you're saved is a true regeneration. Regeneration that changes your very nature. You become a partaker, a connection to the very heart of God. And that's forever. And I'll tell you something, if you're connected to God, you're going to be different. Like I said, when I got, I don't know if I said it this morning, when I got saved, man, it's just, everything changed for me. Everything changed. My whole life, I didn't even know what to do. The Lord, it was just like, he was just pushing me through. It was just like, I got a plan, and I didn't know what, I just, I just did what I knew to do. I went to church, and I was faithful. I got faithful to all the services, and, and I said, oh, well, I need to learn more Bible, and I started taking more classes. Anything that was offered, I began to do it. I would serve. My first, uh, <clears throat> my first desire was doing sound in the church. I wanted to go hide myself in the back corner. <laughs> Except when it feedback. everybody looked at me. Then I realized, this isn't a good plan if I want to not be seen. <laughs> Amen. you know and so i made it my heart i made that ministry my desire there'd be a funeral during the week and i'd ask pastor hey can i come do sound when nobody else is in church but i go do sound why because i wanted to see what god would do and i'd pray while the invitation was being made while this this family is grieving i'd pray god please save them and i could tell in my spirit that someone was going to get saved I sensed it. I just prayed, God, please, God, please, while I was doing sound. And you know what? Oh, there I I see that hand. And immediately the Lord gave me relief. Mm. That was a privilege. Sound. That was great. It's not just sound. It's not just piano. It's not just violin. It's souls. Until you get that, It'll just be a shift to you. It's not going to consume your soul. The Bible says you ought to be addicted to the ministry. There's an addiction we ought to have. Amen? It's powerful stuff. But we're treating it like some kind of a job. Some kind of, oh, well, I put in my time. Why isn't that guy serving as much as me? Man, I'd say, get out of here. I want to do it all, (laughs) you know? If you had like... 30, 40, 50 people saying, I want to do all the work. Can you imagine how much we could do? (laughs) God is good. Spirit of the Lord. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Talking about David. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose up and went to Ramah. Little so teenage boy, Spirit of God says, I'm coming on you now. <laughs> I'm preparing you for a great thing ahead. But notice the next verse. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Wow. Now, Saul messed up. And I think that Saul, you know. Of course, he he could have got right. Now, that doesn't mean the Lord would change his mind. I think David's going to be king from this point on. I don't think there's any turning back from that. But you know what I think could have happened? I think that Saul would have found a place in the Lord's service if he would have just submitted. That evil spirit did not have to fall on him. That was his own doing. You understand that? But I'll tell you something, his pride, he says, it's all or nothing. Either I get it my way or no way. Well, you're fighting God. It's going to be no way. <laughs> you know? You're not getting your way. That, what, what, that's an encouraging thing because for us today, you say, well, I messed up or you know, I don't know how to get back from this or I don't know. <laughs> there is always a way back, yep. but the way is down. If you're trying to find your way out of this by hopping up, hiding, and trying to figure a way around it, I'm sorry, manipulation does not work in the Lord's service. It has to be a real, heartfelt humility. A lowliness. And the Lord will once again empower you to do His work. Maybe you lost a position. Maybe you can't get back there. But all I know is this, that He's got something for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here right now. He would have already taken you home. That means you're here, you still got a purpose. (laughs) Amen. And the Lord has given you this opportunity. He's saying, you're going to take the opportunity, or you're going to continue to try to hide by jumping up. Whenever somebody down there scares you, just jump up, hide yourself in the rafters. I know. Bringing yourself down seems to be putting you in a very vulnerable position. And it is. That bird, to him, the last thing in his mind, I want to go down there where those people are, waving their brooms and whatever else they got. You know? But you're saying that this is the only way out. The Lord's saying this is the only way out. If you're not going to become vulnerable and become honest, <laughs> you're not going to find freedom. And you're not going to find a place in God's service. You know what? And if you'll humble yourself, you'll find how freeing that is. And after it's done, and after the Lord has uh, filled you with His Spirit, you can say, man, it's not so bad being honest. It's not so bad just being humble and being real and understanding that I was puffed up. <laughs> I was the only one who believed this about myself that I was so great, I couldn't be touched. Everybody else saw me for who I really was. So in all reality, they look at me better now than they did before. (laughs) You understand that? But that pride is deceptive. That rebellion, it's like witchcraft. Puts you on top. Nobody's going to touch me. Nobody's going to think that I'm weak. You're weak. (laughs) You're weak. You need the Lord. Anyways, Saul may have retained a title and humid methods of intimidation, but he had no power from God to do the work of God anymore. Saul would not accept God's sovereign will to choose who he wanted to use, whatever he wanted to have done. And so you look at his son, Jonathan. Jonathan was really next in line to become the king of Israel. And even Saul said that, he said, don't you know, you brat, that You'd be the next king. Why are you giving David this attention? Why are, you, why are you honoring him like this? Because Jonathan had no desire to work against the plan of God. Yeah, yeah. That's why Jonathan took his own kingly robe and took it off of himself and put it on David. Yeah. He says, this is for you. <laughs> You're the king. What a man. Oh, that Jonathan. One of the great heroes of scripture, I think. Amen. But in a hard situation, he was in a family situation. It was not easy. In fact, it's interesting that Saul, when he was attacking Jonathan, he said, oh, you son of a rebellious woman, blamed his, his wife. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I wonder if maybe his wife is saying, Saul, stop chasing David. Yeah. Stop doing this. What's wrong with you? Why are you letting the devil get at you like this? You know? But no, no. It's the wife that's rebellious. No, Saul. It's you. You're rebellious. Amen? Sometimes there's wives in your life that know what you need. <laughs> Amen, man? Amen. Sometimes you just got to listen a little bit. And I know they come at you very soft sometimes. They don't you know, whack you over the head of the frying pan. Maybe they should. But you know... But maybe you ought to just open your ear a little bit and, what is she saying? She may be seeing something that I'm not seeing because I'm so puffed up in my situation. Amen? Yeah. So anyways, Saul was blinded by pride, refused to repent, and allowed God to use him in the position that, uh, of his choosing. Let it be God allowed an evil spirit to trouble unrepentant Saul. And so it says here in verse fourteen. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto them, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to know that there's an evil spirit on you. It's another thing when the people around you say, um, "You got an evil spirit on you." I mean, what what has to take place for them to see that on you? How do they see that? Is it that they're so spiritually intuitive? I just sense, (laughs) no, all the signs were there. No joy. Not being faithful to God. Probably not going to the temple anymore. Not spending time with the priests. Not being taught by the scribes. No longer opening the scrolls in the throne room. (laughs) Just sitting there. No power on him. No spirit of God filling him. You know? Certainly, man, you've got an evil spirit. Your face gives it away. Genesis chapter 4, God uh, went to Cain. Why is thy countenance fallen? He too, I wanted my way. You didn't want my way. You didn't want my stuff. You rejected me. I'm unacceptable to you, God. He said, No, no, no. You don't understand. You need to trust me here. (laughs) There's a reason why I asked for a lamb and not for the fruit of the ground. But he didn't care. It wasn't about the truth, it wasn't about the right thing. It was about meat. You don't like meat. And I'll tell you, every time someone goes against the things of God, it's not about what's truth and what's right, it's about them. And all of a sudden, <laughs> amen, no joy, no freedom, no liberty. That's serious stuff. Number one, Saul began to experience depression, anxiety, bitterness, paranoia. Folks, I'm to tell you something. I, I know the world has got its ways, and if you want to follow that, you just go ahead. I mean, that's up to you. I mean, I choose not to let the world dictate my life. This world is messed up. Its system is totally perverted. They got our kids in their hands, and they're manipulating everything. They're making making it all up. They're labeling. They're they're slapping a label on the forehead. Now you call them that. (laughs) No, I I just don't. Oh, they got this disorder. (laughs) How do they come up with these disorders? You know how they do that? All these guys get together in a room. They vote on it. You know that at one point what they did? is they voted that homosexuality was a disorder. But then, oh, society's changing. Let's have another vote. They had another vote, now we removed it from being a disorder. So now the world is saying, oh, the professionals say, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm not putting my children in the hands of these professionals. And I will not allow them to place a label on the forehead of my kids. So the rest of their life, they got to look at themselves in the mirror and say, oh, this is what I am because I was told by the professionals. God is the professional. He will tell you who you are. And I'll tell you, it's all about identity. Your whole life is about who you are. Your whole life, God is trying to tell you, this is who I created you to be. Stop listening to the devil. He is trying to mess you up. He's trying to pervert my creation. And then he comes back at me and says, see, look what I did. Amen? (laughs) What we got to do is submit to the Lord. Let him make us free so that we could go to the devil and say, see, this is what he did. (laughs) You understand that? well, I got this disorder. It it keeps me from being happy. Oh, it's so bad. We have a little boy that lived next to us in in our first ministry there. And for some reason, he had this disorder that whenever mom and dad wanted him to do something, he would also just stare into space. And this happened while we were there. And they said, oh, don't worry. This, This is just a Disorder. So one day the parents weren't there, and the boy comes down to our house, and he takes one of my kids' trucks and wants to go home with it. Steal, basically. If he wanted, I'd give it to him, but he's not going to steal it. I said, hey, you can't take that. I said, son, your mom and dad may believe that, but I don't. He looks at me and runs. (laughs) Disorder. You be careful about letting this world, and you know what? We as parents are sometimes the worst ones to enable and empower these ungodly methods. And I know it takes a little courage to stand up against that. It may cost you something. But you know what? I'd rather pay the price of that than pay the price of my children. At least I'll die knowing that I did everything I can for my kids and I did it the right way. I'd rather have that than compromise. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Depression, I understand. It's a real thing. We go through hard things. We go through trials and hurts and so forth. And folks, we're, we're, we're frail and we're weak. And the Bible says that he knows our frame and he knows what we go through. And I'm not saying you're not feeling that. I'm not saying that popping a pill doesn't also make you cured. But depression, anxiety always links to something that you believe. And a pill doesn't change belief. This does. The truth. You need to get back to this. Get this in your heart. You know what? You could find out what's linking to that that emotional problem you have. I know it's scary because sometimes it brings you places that you don't want to go. Maybe you had an abuse. I remember I talked to this one young lady. She came in. She, she was going through all kinds of stuff. She was failing in school and started talking with her. And we started tracing things down the way she felt. And, and while we were talking, all of a sudden the memory came to her where she was abused when she was five years old. And she never thought about it since from that time to the time she was sitting in that chair. It was totally blocked out. See, children can do that god gives children the ability to block out painful things but not to block it out forever just until god gives them the tools and the and the people in their life to help them understand how to face it yeah so whatever you've gone through it's not it's never been meant for you to lock it away and leave it there because i'm sorry you can't run from it and you know that because you go through things in your life, and guess what? All of a sudden, it's there. It's tapping you on the shoulder, that same way you felt when you were three, four, five years old. You're not running from it. It's there. <laughs> and you know what? Everything you do and everything you, you feel and all the decisions you make, you're, you're filtering them through that belief that you have, and you don't even know it. And that's why people marry wrong, that's why they get wrong jobs, that's why they treat people a certain way, because they're just not thinking right about who it is that God made them to be. Amen? There is great freedom (coughs) for any person that truly wants it. But you have to want it, man. Nobody's got the cure for you. You have the cure in you as a child of God. The Bible says that this is the mystery christ in you the hope of glory all the hope you need is right inside of you amen all you got to let is that 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 christ that's in you the same that was the same yesterday today and forever you just let that one go meet that five-year-old johnny That's what I do when I'm counseling. We, we deal with the five-year-old. I've, I've dealt with people 67 years old. We didn't talk to the 70-year-old Johnny. We went back to the five-year-old Johnny. We wanted to tell Johnny what he needed to know because when he was five years old, he believed something the devil put in his heart. And he couldn't see right anymore about it. And it just kept dogging him for his whole life. I've had that. Folks, I've, I've dealt with hundreds of situations like that. Over and over, fears, phobias, different things. God doesn't want you to be afraid of things. I know there's certain things. I'm afraid of falling off a cliff, (laughs) so I don't go to the edge. That's a normal, natural fear. (laughs) But some of you guys have very unnatural fears. And that's because of lies. Amen? (laughs) And you you can overcome it if you want to. And by the way, it doesn't cost you $100 an hour. You don't need three years of therapy. It just takes you getting real with God one time and what he says in this book. Yeah. Yeah. It's no big thing. The world wants you to think that too. Oh, you're real messed up. Take these drugs for the rest of your life. Big pharma saying, yeah. Right? All your money's going out there when it should be going to reaching souls for Christ. Think that may be a a demonic thing that's happening? (laughs) Then they are saying, oh, you come meet me once a week for the rest of your life. There's people that say, oh, I have a therapist. (laughs) What what does that mean? Like like this person's like in your life like every day? (laughs) You know, is he following you around? (laughs) I have. I remember I talked to this one young man in, in in my second ministry there and he had a lot of anger problems. He a lot of issues in his heart. And I talked to him. He said, oh, I've been through all the counseling, Christian counseling that he paid for. I said to him, has any of them ever asked you whether you're born again? He said, never. I said, that's where we start. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the cure in you first. <laughs> Amen. Let's get Christ in you, let's get the Holy Spirit in you. Then we have something to talk about. But I'll tell you other than that, I, I mean then I could, if I'd charge, I could make money too. Come back next week. <laughs> That's good money, 100 dollars an hour. <laughs> you know, get enough people. <laughs> I'm not into that, man. I'd pay you to come, to get free. I really would. That's how bad I want it for some people. Man, if they could just see it. It's bondage. Your family's hurting. People are hurting. They don't get it right. The Lord is right there. It's just right there. It's just like, (laughs) the word is nigh unto thee, the Bible says. Nigh unto thee. Close to you. Oh, I can never be free. I can never. (laughs) God says, the word is nigh unto you. Oh, I remember one time I was dealing with stuff that I went through when I was a young, when I was a boy. And this was when I was a pastor. I had things that the Lord needed to work through in my heart. Uh, lies that I believed about myself. And as he began to allow the Lord to minister to me, you know what he did? He showed me a Bible verse, a Bible verse that I knew by memory, a Bible verse I'd read a million times, preached on it. But he said to me, This is different. I'm going to put this verse right in that spot. And when that verse hit that spot, I was made free. Now I know, Lord. Oh, the freedom we can have if we want it. I don't know, Saul, you know, he had so many things going for him, (laughs) but he allowed himself to get angry jealous, even have a murderous thoughts in his heart when he could have just gone to God and the Lord would have said, it's okay, Saul, I still love you <laughs> and I still have a plan for your life. But he ended up dead, lost everything. His family ended up dead. You know, maybe you don't care much about yourself, but you should care enough about your kids to get Right? because they will carry that with them there may be things that they're going to have to go through because of what you've done you know things that they have to find freedom in because I wasn't led into the truth see the wonderful thing about being a a Christian and bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is when these things happen to our kids we are right there because <laughs> you know that's not the way it is in a, in a non-Christian home You know who's there? The devil. Kids go through something traumatic. You know who's whispering in their ear? The devil. Oh yeah, you're no good. You're a piece of garbage. That's why every time you you deal with someone that's been abused, the first thing you deal with is it's not your fault. Well, why would they think it's their fault? That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Well, it makes perfect sense when there's the accuser of the brethren whispering in their ear, trying to destroy their life. In fact, that would be the first strategy. This is all you. You did this. But I'll tell you something you get a good, godly mom and dad that spends time in this book. They'll sit next to that child after they go through something hard like that and say, Let me tell you the truth, son. And that boy's ears will be just wide open. I remember one time I was dealing with one of my boys. And I spent time with, I went to the scriptures and, you know, you, you know, kids, they don't verbalize a whole lot to you. You wonder, okay, well, I hope that helped. <clears throat> Later on, I heard a testimony he was giving. And he cried. And he said, my dad takes the Bible, shows me the truth. You may not think that you got what it takes. you got what it takes. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. You've got a book in your hand. Take this seriously. Amen? Don't become like a Saul. Don't become an angry person. Oh, I just feel like I don't have a purpose. That's probably your fault. Okay, that's your fault. Stop blaming the people about whether there's a purpose or not. Whatever happened to you is not your fault. This, this is the hard thing. When you deal with someone that's gone through something, like even abuse, this is the thing, what you have to get, get them to see is this, that what somebody did to you is not your fault. But the ongoing pain and the ongoing struggle is, well, how dare you tell them, it's, well, no, I'm actually helping them. Because if I can convince them that this is their responsibility, then they can choose to have freedom. But if I keep telling them, yeah, it's all that person, they did this, how are they ever going to come free? The only way is to get a time machine and to go back before it happened and try to not go through that again. And that is a lot of people. That's why those movies come out, I think. They're trying to find us. But that's why it's truth where the Bible says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love us. You don't have to go back. You just have to take responsibility for the way you feel. That did it to you. I'm sure Saul here, sitting there on his throne, is this is your fault. Anybody that's got a bad day to have freedom and peace in your heart if you want it. Amen. Give means give. $100 an hour? No. <laughs> Gift, free, but you have to accept it. Amen. Our heads. Thank you for your patience tonight. If you're struggling today with your spirit, every person's got a spirit. Your spirit is either regenerated or it's dead. and That means either you're saved or you're lost. Now, if you're saved, Your spirit is either being charged up by God and replenished and strengthened or you're living an anemic Christian life. And what's happening is you're always feeling this depression, anxiety, maybe jealousy, anger, hurt, whatever it is. And I'm going to tell you something. Something may have happened to you. Maybe some things are out of your control. You say, I had no, I couldn't, there's no way I could have chose this, preacher. That's okay. All you have to do is see God there. I'll guarantee you this, anything in your life that is bringing you pain, it's because you don't see God there. What you need to do is ask God. Say, God, could you show me where you were when that happened to me. Can you show me the truth about it, Lord? He was there. He can relay a very accurate, detailed outline of what happened in that moment. And he will, if you'll seek him. Maybe even right now you need to go to him and say, Lord, I've had this pain in my heart I've had this bad spirit I've had this jealousy I've had this anger maybe several things I don't know what it is you need to figure that out
1: and the Lord's bringing a
0: memory to your mind something happened something somebody said something somebody did you see it clearly now And you're still feeling it. In fact, the emotions are getting stronger. Can you be honest and say, Lord, could you please show me the truth? Show me the truth. Take a moment. Let Let him speak to your heart right now.